Welcome to Nerd Alert, your ultimate destination for all things nerdy. Dive into the pixelated realms and cosmic wonders as we embark on a journey through the ever-expanding universe of nerdum. I'm Tyler, and joining me today is Max and Peter, and together, we're your guides through the labyrinth of video game galaxies, TV show twist, movie marvels, and literary odysseys. In this digital haven for all things nerdy, we aim to bring you the latest and greatest in the world of video games. From console classics to cutting-edge releases, our discussions cover it all. But that's just the tip of the D20. We're not stopping there. Nerd Alert is your one-stop shop for all the pop culture phenomena that makes your inner geek rejoice. Whether you're a seasoned gamer, a movie buff, an avid reader, or just someone who appreciates the art of the nerdy, we've got you covered. Expect insightful reviews and passionate conversations as we dissect and celebrate the intricacies of our favorite realms. So buckle up, level up, and get ready to be immersed in the world where fantasy meets reality. This is Nerd Alert. Won't stay at 60 FPS. <laughs> At all times. Um, well, cool. Do we want to kick off with Max chit-chatting? You you listened to the Xbox podcast, right? It wasn't live. Did they just like dump it out, or did you listen to it live? Uh, they they kind of just dumped it out. It was weird. the The way that they did the uh, kind of announcement of what they wanted to talk about was through the official Xbox podcast. And so you could watch the podcast live, um, but I didn't have the time to because mm. it was in the middle of work. Is um, that the old like Major Nelson podcast? Like it used to be Major Nelson's podcast, and now it's like the yeah. official Xbox One or something. I, I believe so. Yeah, I, I can't. I honestly, I'm not too familiar with the podcast outside of just I was interested to see what Phil Spencer had to say on this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just a very quick. Like I think it was like 22 minutes long. Oh, very like. Yeah, very concise to the point. Um, and overall, I would say it was fairly anticlimactic. So just mm. as background for our listeners, um, as of today, uh, February 16th in the year of our Lord, 2024, um, basically about a week ago, there was a lot of uh, hubbub and kind of like rumors going around the, the zeitgeist in the video game sphere where uh xbox was moving certain of their uh certain titles uh and allowing them to be um cross console they basically uh handing the rights over to like playstation to have like hi-fi rush um starfield indiana jones eventually and basically everyone on the internet just kind of blew up and (laughs) as they do (laughs) as they do uh and like everyone just started you know talking about like you know on any gaming uh podcast that you could listen to people were talking about it of like oh my gosh like xbox is going to go third party Mm. they're going to stop being in the console um hardware lane and just kind of now that they've acquired really all of these huge properties they're just going to focus on making their uh money in 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 selling those selling of games and and publishing and stuff like that. And the more I listened to different podcasts talking about this, the more it kind of made sense to me. I was like, well, that kind of makes sense if they went that route. Um, And that ended up not being at all the case in terms Mm. of what Spencer had to say. So there were prior counts, which is, this is classic internet doing what the internet does. There were prior counts of Phil Spencer being pretty open 
about, or it was, if it wasn't Phil, it was like the other gentleman, but like very open that, you know, Xbox does not make much money on their consoles themselves and hardware. I should say, uh, they don't make much money on it. And I guess like the sustainability for the price of game pass, was like a struggle. It's hard to say, I, you know, not a hundred percent sure, but this, all that was like also what kind of helped fuel all these specu- speculations, Fine. right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like Xbox has always kind of, and honestly, PlayStation as well, has struggled with communication when it comes yeah. to stuff. Oh, they, yeah. They like to just hide behind this like glass wall. Um, and everything just gets leaked. D- yeah. Everything, everything nowadays everything is a leak, leak and it is the most frustrating thing ever. Oh, I know. It's, it's horrible. But yeah, so... You know, it was just one of those things where it made a lot of sense to me either way. I was like, it could go either way. I have no idea. And they immediately jumped into the conversation. And Phil Spencer was like, we just want to let everyone know we are opening up four of our exclusive games to other consoles, um, to like PlayStation and Switch. And he's like, we're not going to name what four, what four games those are, but we want to allow like the the developers of those games to make their their announcements when they feel good and ready to that's cool. um but it was weird because like in the podcast he was like kind of hinting at what they could be like almost like a trivia oh. question it's like oh like one of these games you're kind of on the high seas and like i was uh, like okay, okay. So that's, that's lame <laughs> uh, so I was like, okay so sea of thieves okay yeah <laughs> I was like, and um you know he basically confirmed hi-fi rush but one thing he did state was that starfield and um Indiana Jones, the one upcoming later this year, uh, which right now Indiana Jones is looking to be like the, I would say like the most hyped exclusive for 2024 for Xbox. Um, But he was like, no, like those are not going multi-platform at all. Mm. Um, And Like ever or maybe just for now? I would say just for now. Yeah, that's what I would assume. He was just very, yeah, I would say he was just very adamant that they are not... um, even considering it at the given time. Yeah. Um, but basically he was like, you know, I want people to understand that, you know, while we are going multi-platform with these four games, that does not mean that we are getting out of the hardware space. You know, we are very much still committed to selling consoles. We've already, we're already well into development into our next console, which we will release more information on near the end of the year. Wow. So that's going to be, and yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be handheld. I mean, that would not surprise me if they. Honestly, Sony. There's been a leak that Sony has a patent out that they're trying to make another handheld. (laughs) Because their first one sucked. It wasn't actually a handheld. It was a terrible streaming machine. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I I got so excited when I first heard about that because I was like, "This sounds like the Switch for PlayStation." Yeah, I'm such a PlayStation guy that I was so excited, and then I saw it, and I was like, "No." This, oh, this man. Isn't it. Bro, this I think they're totally going to make one, especially because like yeah. their their Xbox stream, I've done it. It's not terrible mm-hmm. from a phone. I mean, I have pretty decent internet in my house, but uh, yeah. man, yeah, I, I could see. I still want, I think I still want to get the stream Steam Deck OLED because I feel yeah. like Xbox would like Xbox Xboxify theirs too much, whereas like the Steam Deck is just like a Windows PC at that point with like a Linux thing on it. But still, I, that's what I would think. And I'm kind of glad that he mentioned that they're still in the hardware space. I hope that does mean for like future Xboxes. 
Uh, I'm an Xbox guy. I think out of the three yeah. of us here, I'm the one. I mean, I just sold my PlayStation 5, so I mean, that says anything okay. about I did, yeah, yeah. It took me like an hour. <laughs> I, found, I found someone at work who was wanting it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad that Xbox is still considering, like hopefully they'll still make consoles and hopefully consoles aren't like over with. I think part of me, when I first heard about this story, I was getting a little nervous. It's like, oh man, is this like, what happens? Like if Xbox is gone without a console, like that leaves Sony and like the Switch and like, the switch is always going to be behind performance wise. And then like, so am I always just going to be like forced to play? So yeah, it's, that was an interesting, an interesting thing to happen. And to your point, I think that's where a lot of the, you know, discord and a lot of like the worries from the community was really like feeding the fire of all the rumors, right? Like a lot of people were getting upset because they were like, we've been Xbox since day one. Right. You know, and it's like now you're like gonna like stop being part of the, the program outside of the games you're releasing. Like, what about all this time and money we invested kind of deal? Yeah. And um but yeah, I think the thing that was just really surprising to me was that because there's still more to kind of talk about, but that being the main fact that they are planning to cross platform for games, they could have just put that in a tweet. Or like, a, a, a yeah. Do what the media. president does: tweet it and call it a day. Right, like you know, like I don't understand why they wanted to wait a whole week to let all this turmoil happen. Yeah, in the community to then just say something really basic on a podcast. You know, it's like yeah. that doesn't really unless they were like wanting people to really focus on Xbox for a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, the twenty um, the twenty ish yeah. minute time frame surprised me too. Um, if it is the podcast, which I'm thinking of, which I'm pretty sure it is the, uh, that one, it like, normally their podcasts are like 40 to an hour, you know, they're usually some yeah. decent breadth to it. So it's, I was a little surprised to hear that it was only, only like 20 minutes or so, but hmm. interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then really other than that, they really just high level finally announced some stats where they were like, I, don't quote me, but like, I think they said, you know, they announced that there are, I think, 35 million long-term subscribers to Xbox Game Pass at this time. Oh, oh yeah. Um, Day one, like, baby, right here. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the minute I got my Xbox, I had Game Pass. I, I don't have any game. I literally just have Game Pass on my Xbox because that's where I play all my yeah, games. That's what you need. Um, on the downstairs one. But um, Dang, I, 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 35 I, million. I yeah, and I, I did the math because I was like, interesting, because I was like, let's just say everyone did like just like the fourteen ninety nine tier of that. Yeah. They're making almost $500 million a month with all of their subscribers. Like $500 million a month. That's like a multi-billion dollar endeavor with Game Pass. Uh, some people got Ultimate. Some people have like, right. like, I guess just PC is like 10 or no, it went back up in price. But yeah, wow. That's wild. Yeah. I know it's insane. And so like the, I'm glad that they finally released some stats. Cause it kind of proves to me that like the money is there. Like, yeah. like this thing yeah. that you have game pass, like it's worth billions of dollars per year that you're just, you know, making money hand over fist. Yeah. That's um, crazy. That's and so, so much yeah, money. And like, just to close out with what they were saying, they were just like, and we just want everyone to understand we're still in the console game. 
they said, you know, our exclusives are still our main priority so that you have some reason to come to the Xbox Makes sense, uh, yeah. versus other platforms. Um, Xbox, you like Game Pass will only be available on an Xbox compatible device because there was a lot of rumors of like, oh, Game Pass is going to come to Switch and P- PlayStation or something like that. <laughs> no that way. No way. I don't, even know, I don't even know how that would work. Yeah, like, it's just no, like, yeah, like, that, like no way I, Sony or Nintendo would even let that be on their device. Happened. No like, shot. Like, could you imagine how difficult that would be to emulate that? Oh, like, gosh. Like, I don't even know. Disaster. Yeah, but PlayStation can't even figure out how to <laughs> do yeah. their own. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, outside of PlayStation Plus, which for the most part is great, but... Um, yeah. So overall I, I was, I was, a, it was just a little underwhelming, but yeah. it was also just nice to know that, you know, they're going to stick around and, you know, it's not going to just turn into a Nintendo and PlayStation show. It's going to be, yeah. they're, they're here for a while. They did say that Diablo four is coming to game pass March 24th. Oh, um, man, I pay for that game. I, should, I knew I shouldn't have paid for it. Well, that's the thing is they said that I think that their plan now that they have Activision under their belt mm-hmm. um, and Blizzard is that they're going. And I think that this is actually really smart because they didn't do this with Bethesda. Is they're going to slowly release all of those different Blizzard activation games. Yeah. Um, Activision games throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, like, kind of like. You know, which makes sense because with Bethesda, they just released everything. Yeah. All at once. On one day. It's like an like, archive. Yeah, it's like here's all the Doom games, the Wolfenstein games. Yeah, it's uh, all the Fallout's and Fallout's yeah. like, and it, it, like it was almost overwhelming, right? Where I actually think it's pretty smart to release games a little bit at a time as you go. But you know, there's rumors that you know World of Warcraft could come to Xbox um, through subscription-based kind of style, uh, especially yeah. with the new expansions coming. Um, yeah, I think the speculation right. is usually that yeah. it comes in around um, like end of summer, early fall. Typically, I think yeah. they say when they do it. So maybe yeah, around like that right. August time frame, August, September. You know, yeah. I, I've told Peter and I think I've told you this, too. It's like I would gladly up my like Game Pass subscription by a couple dollars if it was just like this includes World of Warcraft. It's like please <laughs> like the big right. reason why i canceled wow was because i couldn't have a 15 dollar wow thing on top of like a 15 dollar game pass but if it That's was actually, like hey just yeah. up your game pass thing by like five dollars it's like oh cool my wow membership is only worth five bucks now that's great i'll totally pay that you or know? they could have a tier <clears throat> like they do with hulu how it has the disney bundle yeah yeah and, exactly yeah, yeah. That's yeah, actually like get access really... to like the Activision Call of Duties yeah. with this tier. Get act, you know, get the Blizzard stuff with this tier, or That's with this tier, get all three. Get That's Xbox, go. Activision, and Blizzard. Yeah, that's actually a good call, Peter. I could, I could see that. You want Ubisoft Plus? No, no. Okay, well, we'll here for that too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't want Ubisoft Plus. <laughs> Which speaking but of Ubisoft, didn't they have that new? Uh, they had that new pirate game that kind of flopped already with and its Mirage. like. Yes, yeah, yeah, Bones. I've heard middling reviews on it. I've heard it's actually a pretty okay game. Surprisingly, yeah, I, can't, I can't get a gauge on it. I guess I, I gotta try it I out can't myself. Either, but that's, honestly, that's the thing with Ubisoft. I can never get a gauge on their games, man. Like I just like yeah, in my heart, I know they're gonna be good games. Like, I 
I see diehard fans playing their games and and they're like they're having a blast. Yeah. But then I right. see like other like casual gamers and they're like, nah. I know. Like my friend was like, "Did you play uh, Avatar Journey or something Pandora?" <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. That was Ubisoft. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, "No, it just looks like Far Cry, but you're a blue person." Yeah. Like, no. But then at the same time, Ubisoft is like raving rabbits, Mario Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, which is like, a, yeah. I think, right? They're like Switch games are surprisingly like really well done. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Ubisoft puts more attention to detail, I feel like. And I wonder if that's because Mario Nintendo is more down their throat though on like what is like this satisfactory. Is yeah. Right. There are characters you need yeah. to do the objective kind of thing. Yeah, I I almost wonder if there's a little bit more of a like a, a grip that like yeah, Nintendo yeah. has on Ubisoft where it's like when it's their own thing, they're like creative freedom and it just right. like copy and paste far cry across six games and you're like creative freedom <laughs> Who knows? I, yeah i feel like ubisoft is is at this point i could be totally wrong well i i'm surprised i i feel like they are very much wanting to be acquired at yeah this point. yeah like, they're asking please. for it someone right, just, just, peter, acquire, acquire ubisoft you know, peter like, just just own them do it okay under page <laughs> inc <laughs> Peter's just like sure. Why? PG soft. PG soft. <laughs> soft. Could you imagine? Sounds like they oh my just gosh. a company that makes PG games or something. But that's actually God. That blew my mind when you said that, Tyler. Because that that's such a brilliant idea for them to do. Is like, hey, you want to subscribe and play World of Warcraft for the first time because you never owned a PC? Add an add another two ninety nine to your subscription every month, and you get access to everything. Like just, yeah. just play like in my head, I was like, I'm surprised PlayStation hasn't done that with Final Fantasy 14. Like it's like, yeah, World you know. of Warcraft during Dragonflight, they released. I don't, I can't remember if it was in like the full game or if it was still part of like the beta. But um, you could fly around using a controller in World of Warcraft. I don't, I can't remember. I want to say it was an official thing, not just like a mod. Um, but they started adding like a weird controller support to fly around. And that was like, you know, last oh. year. Right. And that was when people were like, oh, weird controller support like that. It kind of felt like that was like the first time where you started seeing World of Warcraft with a controller. And it's like, why else would you put it on a controller if you weren't about to like also, put it on a console? So that makes back. so much more sense why they went towards that flying mechanic, because it would be so boring just flying around on a controller with the, you know, the I, old mechanic. Oh, I mean, not that I oh, know that yeah. there's some people that still use the old mechanic apparently because there's people that were talking about they did they got dizzy yeah, doing the yeah. new Snoopy like, stuff, off. and so some I people didn't like Warcraft only used keyboard still. Like that, yeah, this flight yeah. mechanic was the first foray into controller. That's yeah, crazy. mouse and keys is the only thing World of Warcraft has had since day one. A one and nineteen something whenever it came yeah, out. Yeah, that's an old one. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an old one. What's next? Runescape on controller? I mean, it's on mobile. I don't think it needs controller. That's true. If you got mobile support, you're beyond controller. You're already getting yeah. like everybody when you when you go mobile, and I should say successful mobile, like not like crappy mobile or whatever. But yeah, well, sweet. Any other news we got going on, Peter? You got any news? Got any topics to bring up? 
Um, well, there was a new game that came out that was uh, uh, based on that rock and stone game we played. Rock and stone game. It was like a dwarven mining game we played. Oh, it was yeah, recent. yeah. What game um, was it? It was called... Uh, I have to look at that. Deep Rock Galactic. Yeah. And apparently they just came out with a new game. The same it, publisher? It wasn't really the same what? The same like publisher and stuff? Yeah. Like. Or developer, definitely. I guess you should say. I, well, <laughs> wow. it's, I think the publisher is, it says it's Ghost Ship Games. Well, that's the developer. The publisher is Coffee Stain Studios. Okay. Um, but. They came out with like a new game based on that, um, like mining game that's been out for a long time and kind of loved by Steam. And it was like a, it's like a um, top-down shooter type game. Okay. Um, and apparently it's getting like good reviews, like really good reviews. It's on it's Steam like, right now. Yeah. What are we it's looking like at? Overwhelmingly game. positive. Um. I think it was very positive last time I checked, but I don't know if it's gone up since then. It looks pretty cool. I love the description for it in Steam. It's called Deep Rock Galactic Survivor. Wonderful player co-op featuring BA space dwarves, 100% (laughs) destructible environments, procedurally generated caves, and endless hordes of alien monsters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very positive. So on Steam right now, very positive with 3,400 reviews. Deep Rock Galactic Survivor is a single-player survivor-like auto-shooter. Wield the full arsenal of Deep Rock Galactic. Take on hordes of lethal aliens, mine riches, and unlock powerful upgrades. It's one dwarf against all of planet Hoxes. Honestly, it looks so fun because the concept of the other game is like, there's a lot of games out right now that are like first-person survival-looking. Mm. And um, or mining, you know, um, first person like Astroneer, all those types of games. And this one's like taking that concept like this. It looks like the same exact concept, but making it to more of like a um, enter the gungeon style. Um, and then you're still in a mine. You're still a dwarf with like all the classes, but it's just like way more um, uh, rampage shooter type. I'm surprised that they went with the early access route on it. I have a kind of a love hate relationship with early access. I kind of feel like people, you know, maybe this is the hot take right now, right? Yeah. Everything seems like it's early access. I don't know what just happened to my camera focus, but everything seems like it is early access. And it's like, I don't know. Like when you look at these games, for the most part, they're pretty well polished, so it's like, why did you just release the game? Why do you do this like yeah. early access? At this point, stuff? it just means that we're gonna continue doing like updates on the game. Like it's a finished game, but it's like promising. Yeah, we're still here making changes. Yeah. And then other other times, it means that like it's unfinished, <laughs> like completely. Well, it definitely brings up a good point, and something that I was wondering what your guys' take on too was. Right? Is I feel like how games are developed nowadays. I feel like the industry right now. The video game industry specifically is very like in a transitional phase of trying to figure out how to be as effective as possible of 
developing and delivering games in a timely manner. Mm. Like, I feel like now more so than ever, I kind of look at this year in particular, like just from the aspect of PlayStation, PlayStation has no plans for first party exclusives this year. Like literally their next first party. Yeah. Their next first party exclusive doesn't come out until 2025. Mm. And that's mainly because just the stars kind of aligned in all of their different studios are just, they don't have a game prepared yet. And games are taking longer and longer to make. I I should say specifically first party exclusive games in particular are taking longer and longer to make. They're becoming more and more expensive. We're seeing massive, massive layoffs in employees across the industry from all of these different studios, Microsoft included. Um, Embracer Group is is a huge proponent of that too. It just it feels like a very uncertain time in gaming right now, at least to me. Like in terms yeah. of like, I feel like, I feel like the industry just doesn't really know how to make this work as effectively as it used to. Like, because I think back to, I'm comparing apples to oranges in a sense, but I'm trying to figure out what the change is. But like, I, I think back to like the PS2, Xbox, GameCube era. I feel like games, like studios were like cracking out games like every other year, yeah. like like sequels even, right? Like I think Final Fantasy VII, the very next year we got Final Fantasy VIII. The very next year we got Final Fantasy IX, which is unheard of. Now Final Fantasy games, it's like 10 years in between each one, which is a crazy amount of time. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I, I wonder if we're going to start seeing again kind of a rise back into double a i guess is the term games of like games that don't necessarily need that immaculate sense of realistic graphics or you know uh god tier score or you know like a 70 hour campaign like it's like i'm wondering if we're going to start going back and like seeing more of that or more third party games um and if ex- first party exclusives are going to become fewer and farther between and become more of like a premium commodity whenever they do arrive, you know, like, you know, it's like Spider-Man three, whenever that comes out is going to be a premium experience, you know? So it's like, but Maybe it's like another indie boom as well. A what? There's another indie game boom. Is that a double a game or indie games considered double a, or is, is that one tier lower or something? Or not uh, independent the... games, I almost feel like, at least from my understanding, they're almost considered like their own kind of subset. Like it's like okay. first, second party, third party, and then independent games <clears throat> um, are just, those are games that are just built by uh, individual studios that don't necessarily have like big studio backing. And honestly, over the course of the last few years, I find independent games to be some of my favorite Um Sea of Stars comes to mind, but that was my game of the year last year, and that was like a Dave the Diver. Game. Dave yeah. the Diver was great. I finally yeah. got to play that, and that was incredible. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah it was so good. Was like, you know, I, I think to kind of like give my opinion on that question, I, I think, and I think this is an issue for a lot more than just gaming, but mm. I think that people nowadays are more connected than what the human was built to be connect like connected to i think as just like human beings like 
I feel like we were more designed to be able to handle like our immediate area, like our families, our extended families and like, like our communities, our towns. Right. And now with like social media and just the internet in general, one person can now be connected quite literally to the entire planet. Uh, like this podcast, we're not, we're not getting listened by that. But the theory is like this podcast, the three of us can be broadcasted. We're going to post the thing to Spotify, Apple, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. It is accessible by everyone that has access to the internet. And I think that that web is just so massive now. And between that plus just like, marketing strategies that are now involved in said like media streams and whatnot. I think that all these AAA titles, you have to do these big like E3s or you have to do these big game awards or big YouTube announcements. Let's make a big deal about a 20 minute podcast. Let's, we're going to do our PlayStation showcase, blah, 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 blah. Like marketing, 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 outreach, 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 outreach. And you have all of that outreach and stuff, but then you have the influx of the people reacting to it. And so like if a game sucks, it seems like it's the worst thing to happen in the history of gamer history. Like it's not just like a game just sucks anymore. It's, you guys defiled me. You made a game. You promised me it was going to be the greatest thing ever in my life. And it absolutely bombed. And I now hate you. And you have that, but you have it times like a billion, billion. Yeah. easily. Right. And so I think because of that, it's putting so much of that stress on these like third parties. And like, imagine yourself. Cause you mentioned like the PS two. So let's, Let's take a step back, imagine ourselves in that PS2 era with the GameCubes and things like that. Like when you had a game that was kind of meh, it was like, ah, that wasn't the best game in the world. I'll just trade it into GameStop. I'll get some used credit. Maybe I'll buy another used game. No harm, no foul. Kind of stunk, but it's all right. You probably were more likely to think, eh, that game was fine versus that game was the worst thing I've ever played in my life. Right? Like if a game was bad, you were kind of just like, "Mm, yeah, that wasn't the best thing I've played, but it was cool. It was a video game, had some fun, but like, and and you didn't have that interconnection. Maybe you talked to your friends at school or maybe your neighbors, right? Like that was your web of like connections to kind of chat about this game about. But now it's like, this was awful. I got to go to Reddit. I have to go to Twitter. I want to make a YouTube video. I got to tell this. I'm going to at Phil Spencer, at Xbox, at the game developer, at this. And now you plus all those other people are doing that. And it's just hounding these like AAA, I don't know, like developers or AAA games. First, Yeah, yeah, first party stuff. And I think it just makes it infinitely harder to do that. Whereas like an indie game, it'll come out and it might be a fine game and maybe no one really hears about it and that's cool right and then it's fun for the people who try it maybe it comes out eh, it's not the greatest thing in the world but you know it doesn't get too much too much hype around it right and it's fine and then you have your occasional like a dave uh, dave the diver or like stardew valley like when it blew up like sometimes right. they do just blow up and it's just for a good reason it's like cool this just blew up and it's awesome but yeah. like 
on the other side of it, it's not as hurtful as like if Spider-Man two was the same experience of like cyberpunk, that would be game breaking for Sony. Right. But if Stardew Valley came out and wasn't that good of a game, I mean, he was just doing it alone and it was like, yeah, this was a pretty fun project. And if it was kind of just like, yeah, that wasn't that fun of a game, dude sucked. It's like, Oh, well I tried, (laughs) I did it alone, but okay. You know what I mean? So that's my long answer to why I think it's getting a little bit more tricky for all these like first parties. I just I think we're too connected. I think the internet is a scary place to live. Um, and yep. yeah, people are. Um, this is also kind of a little bit of news, but um, people were banding together for um, Hollow Knight Silk Song. So that's been one that's been in the dark for a while now. Um, I yeah. think five years since they announced the ne- the next new game. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently the latest move by the community, um, there's been dead silence. Actually, I think it's like since the last update, it's been like five years or two years maybe. Um, but um, five years since they announced the game, two years since the last update or something like that. And then... Um, they said they were going to, there was like a whole subreddit of like Hollow Knight apparently, which to me doesn't matter at all. It's like, I don't care at all about that. (laughs) That's not how I get my news. I don't use Reddit, Um, but it became news that the community on that subreddit, um, they came up with the idea that they're going to delete that subreddit, which apparently a lot of fans of that game use to get their updates. Hmm. And so they were, they were banding together almost like in a petition of saying like, we're going to delete this entire subreddit. Um, if you guys don't tell us anything like within like the next week or something. Um, and it's like that, that kind of goes with what you're saying, Tyler, with the whole people just want to band together in, in emotions, I guess sometimes in anger in, frustration it's that mob mentality yeah just to you know after these game companies which even for indie developers they'll do it for like anyone yeah um not and and you know large companies small companies power world had the controversies yeah um and and it seems like almost every single game at this point that comes out people are there's always a controversy with it every like the last three games i think i can think of that came yeah, out and had a controversy around it. And people just wanted to get break onto the internet and complain about. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I feel like every game release nowadays, every big game release is almost like a a ridiculously big event in a weird way of like, okay, this came out, the embargo's over on the reviews. How did it do? You know, like, like, is this trash or is this good? Like, yeah. you know, and like I'm like, a if public it's trash, flogging. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It's like legitimately it's like a public flogging. Or the Coliseum like, of like, yeah, or nay. Yeah. Right. Like, because, well, and like, I think that we've gotten to that point because we are just so oversaturated with content when it comes to TV <laughs> streaming movies video games like we we just have so much available to our fingers like to our eyes like at any given moment we're like we're so connected we're so connected that like we we 
literally like if you can't keep our attention for longer than five minutes or you can't show me something that's worth $70 of my time just from like what, me watching a clip of like how good the graphics are, how good the, the quality of the writing is, the story, whatever, you're done. I'm moving on. Like this wasn't worth, this wasn't good. And basically people just disregard or even trash talk this labor of love that developers have worked on for years, years. And then they release a game and either it gets no love or it gets avid hate. And I, I feel, I feel for these video game developers, like they are such hard workers and like they, they just get dragged through the coals, man. Like, it's just, it's, you really got to love your craft. Uh, if you, if you, if you're in that industry for sure, but it's just hard. And it's like, I, I feel like right now everyone's chasing that, that unicorn of Fortnite, right. Where it's like, I think to this day, uh, like I don't even play Fortnite and I know it's, it's like the number one video game of all time right now. Like, like I know you guys played all the time yeah. and like, at, like PlayStation is just trying to chase that that unicorn. Like they're just like we need to get into the um, games as a service industry. Like we need our own yeah. Fortnite kind of thing. Like I'm, sh- you know, and I I just don't think it's gonna happen. I think that just like that oversaturation, there are these other games that like I think right now there's only I think four or five big Speaking games like what Double A. Going back to what you're saying on that. Yeah. You know, I think that's the direction that like Fortnite's going because that games as a service thing and their new partnership with Disney that was announced and oh, their yeah. latest release of Rocket Racing and Lego Fortnite, those were like those were games that to me seem like and, and it's not to say that they weren't there wasn't a lot of effort put into it, but playing them, you can really get through them not like in a very short amount of time, I think. And um, it does kind of seem like that double A game to me, like where if more and more companies like see the Fortnite model and they're like, oh, you can kind of just like create uh, like a 10 games that are based on like pre-existing concepts and just throw them out there. Um, uh, And like people will just kind of buy these microservices and stuff that you have um, that, correspond to all of them in different ways it's like yeah yeah maybe that's i don't know if i like that direction and i kind of you know no i feel it i don't know if i like the direction either (laughs) it's kind of scary to think about no right but yeah i definitely just wanted to mention that and get your guys's take on it so i appreciate that feedback because i've been thinking about that lately with like everything i've been seeing where it's like this is an interesting time in the video game sphere right now yeah i i would not want to be a video game developer with just seeing how much um hate and like cyberbullying that people are doing to these like video game developers i mean it's one it's just absolutely disgusting and it's just yeah. to like see people I don't know, do like that. That That is where I'm just kind of like, look, it is just a game at the end of the day. I understand that yeah. it's like a big passion for you, but you should not be like sending death threats to developers. Like what? what is even the point of that? Yeah. Um, and I think it's like, I don't know, it's going to like deter some kids from wanting to be developers. Um, you know, I 
on that topic of like what Fortnite does, you know, like they have Unreal Engine and they released the, um, I forgot what it was, like the Fortnite like creator 2.0 or something like that. But it okay. it's like now empowering people and kids of all ages to like kind of get a little bit of like unreal development while you're inside of Fortnite and like creating and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're, it's smart because in theory, you know, these Epic is just like, let's empower who could potentially be our future employees. (laughs) Let's, let's give them training uh, that is free for them now. And then eventually they're going to make us money. Like you never know, right? Like it's a pretty good little business model they got going on. Yeah. Um, for sure. But yeah, I mean, outside of like Epic games and kind of like what they do being a first party, just kind of like video game developer right now, just, uh, just doesn't, doesn't seem, doesn't seem like the place to want to be, but yeah. Sure. Um. So what all, uh, not to like quickly change subject here but is anybody uh playing anything pretty exciting anybody doing anything in the uh the nerd realm that's pretty fun that that they want to like chat about well yeah thanks to my friend here max i'm trying out rain code okay tell us about it what platform is it on what's it about well it's sadly only on the nintendo switch which for me well because to me i'm like for other people to want to experience this game, it's it's kind of locked down to this. If you if you don't have a Nintendo Switch, you can't play it. Like whereas the the other titles like Danganronpa, I feel like were like multi-platform, across multi platform. Yeah. At least I don't know how they were when they first came out, but um, I, I know that that when I started it, it was like on everything. Yeah, when they originally came out, because I was there day one, it came out on the Vita. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's a while back. Well, it just, Um, it just sold like pancakes, but keep going. Sorry. Yeah. It's a, it's really a lot like Danganronpa. If you haven't played that, that's kind of like, if you haven't played that, it's kind of like Ace Attorney. And if you haven't played that, it's basically a detective game. Um, (laughs) Keep dissecting it down to a smaller form. And more anime, really. Yeah. And it starts out, you know, without giving away too much, you're just kind of a detective, you lost your memories, and um, there's a, um, a train that you're kind of boarding, you have no idea why, but you kind of slowly figure out little details here and there, and you meet some new characters and whatnot. And then there is a kind of um, fun little train mystery that you have to solve, um, which I personally like mystery games and... Uh, and you like trains a lot too. I do like trains as well. Yeah. So that's a big thing, like a yeah. train mystery, um, murder on the Orient Express. I love oh. that. that love that's a fun one. Um, but yeah, you you kind of go through and uh, and there's a lot of twists and turns and and uh, this one's a little bit more in depth with uh, the world building, which I think is cool. And uh, it seems like the uh, there's an overarching story around like the government, where um, there's this uh, I think the government's called like the Amaterasu Corporation, and um, it seems like they're a little sketchy, and there's a little um, section you're trying to get to from the train called the Kanai Ward, and it is an isolated area. It's kind of like it kind of seems crime riddled, um, kind of like. 
um, uh, controlled by this government in a particular way for particular purposes. I don't know what yet because I haven't played far enough into the game to find out. Um, and that's kind of what you seem to be, uh, your purpose is, is to kind of uh, uncover the mysteries within this Kanai ward. Um, and, and you have like a crew of other detectives that you work with, and they all have like amazing personalities and character um, uh, like archetypes, I guess is the word, or uh, there's yeah. just like fun quirks for everyone. And so it's, it's so um, Spike Chunsoft. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, like, so their thing, Great the way anime. they they create their their characters. I don't even know if it's, like, yeah, it is kind of like anime, but it's, like, their own thing, too, at the same time. Just, yeah. like, the way they design their characters. They all have such uniqueness about them, and so that's always fun. And, uh, and there's little, like, the way you solve the mysteries are kind of um, developed in a way that they're kind of, like, action sequences and, uh, and very dramatic. Um almost like you're in a boss fight um, at times. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Love I that. like that uh, Amaterasu is the name of the uh, the government, which is also the sun god. Uh, that's like the meaning of it. Or if you're a Naruto fan, Amaterasu is the black flame that burns for seven days and seven nights and is inextinguishable. But That's what I thought of. When I, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that sounds familiar. Also, and then other than that, I was just gonna yeah. say Mario Rabbids, uh, Sparks of Star, Sparks of Hope, Sparks of Hope. Yeah, yeah. Which was just not fantastic. Starks of Hope, not Starks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that one that one's been out for a while, so um, it might be more familiar to people. But it's uh, I always really enjoy, I, I I enjoyed this game a lot. I never played the original, but really fun right. uh, strategy game. Very cool. Yeah. Apparently, Grant Kirkhope, who did Banjo-Kazooie, did the music for Mario Rabbids. Wow. I yeah. didn't realize that. I didn't either when playing it, but I just found that out. Huh. Pretty cool. Yeah. Another funny Amaterasu. Uh, Amaterasu the Wolf from Okami. Oh, Remember? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just looked at that, um, the copy that I have uh, in my living room on my shelf, and I was like, I, I have this game. I'm trying <laughs> That game is still in my top ten to this day. That what about you, Max? What, what have you been up to? Oh man, I I don't think it'll be a shock to either of you. I've been just diving into Persona Three Reload. Um, oh yeah, the, yep. the re, basically the remake of Persona Three, which was originally a PS2 game, and um, you know it's it's just Persona. You know it's 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 your basic yeah. Persona game. I uh, if. For anyone listening, if you played Persona 5, you're kind of, you would be very well at home here with this game. Um, I think Atlas has really discovered this very kind of perfect sweet spot of JRPG uh, goodness with, with the Persona series. They're always a mix between uh, turn-based JRPG with... Um, you, you, I'm trying to think of the right way to... like. Dating sim, uh, daily activity sim, life like some sim. weird. Yeah, it's a life sim. Like you, it's a mix of like that action versus okay, what am I going to do today to better my character and my and my social links or better my personality traits? You know, am I going to go play a video game and raise my academics somehow, or am I gonna, or am I gonna go talk to this person? Um, 
you know, that I want to learn more about their story. And um, Persona 3 was the first Persona game I ever played uh, and really what got me hooked into the Persona series. And it's been absolutely awesome getting to replay it in a new engine. It's in Unreal, uh, I believe Engine 4. I don't think there's that many Unreal Engine 5 games out yet, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the game looks beautiful. It has the same kind of cosmetic look as Persona 5. It's just instead of the very, you know, instead of the very, like, what's the word I'm looking for? dark red and black it, it's more of like a soothing on the eyes kind of bluish tone uh very mm -hmm. ocean feel uh and the game is very kind of melancholy and somber um the story kind of revolves around the idea of how do you handle the knowledge of that death is coming for us all in some way shape or form and how do we handle that wow. like how do we how do we come to terms with that? Um, That's deep. Yeah. yeah, it's very, it's the darkest Persona game out of the three big ones, which are Persona 3, 4, and 5. Persona 5 was very much more about society in general of like, you know, what as a society are we apathetic about that is truly ruining us as a culture, which in its own way is a great, you know, story. But Persona 3 is a very personal adventure, I would say. It's more about how, you know, loss and uh, handling death and handling situations that you... I'm trying to think of a way to say this without it spoiling anything, but it's like a lot of the main characters, a lot of the social links are all dealing with things where they may have done something that they cannot take back mm -hmm. that they have to deal with the consequences of and they can either rise to meet those consequences and accept them and come out the other side better or give in to them and become, you know, and then and, and just not. Um, and so replaying it has been absolutely amazing. They've really refined it in a lot of ways, the combat to really match Persona 5. I, I forgot how much I love the main characters. Um, you are kind of a bit, you basically, it's a high school group once again, a very, another very anime game. And uh, your character goes to this school called Gecko Khan High. Um, and it's this very like high tier pr private school in the middle of this random lake uh, that's just surrounded by water. And uh, you, you arrive at this town and the dark hour happens, which is the hour between midnight and one o'clock and time kind of stops. Everything goes green and everyone in the world turns into a black coffin, uh, except for people that have the ability to have a persona. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, you kind of have to figure out what's going on with this dark hour and you meet your fellow uh, classmates that have the same abilities as you do and you find that your school during the dark hour turns into this giant palace called the called tartarus and basically instead of how in persona 5 there's individual dungeons for each of the main villains in each arc of the story tartarus is the one dungeon and you're just constantly climbing it up and up and up and up as more levels of it are uh available after every full moon 
and you just need to reach the top and see what's there. In a way, it kind of it gives me made in abyss vibes because the higher you go, the more uh, disturbing uh, Tartarus gets, and the yeah. more like it becomes heavy on the psyche um and how these characters are dealing with their internal turmoils as they climb this tower and so that's what you can do like during the day you're doing your school stuff during the night you're climbing this nightmare tower uh to the top wow. <laughs> like it's 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 so good it's just it's it's an amazing game um 10 out of 10 in my opinion already and i'm only about 18 hours in and it's just it's and the music i mean we all know persona music it's incredible this is yeah. a very to this this game is set in 2009 all the characters have flip phones it's that uh, very like what an it's era. That, like i know right the best era where everyone you're talking to is like i gotta get home i'm gonna miss my show um and just uh, yeah I, I can't recommend it highly enough for anyone that likes jrpgs or the persona series um and then nice. i'm not playing this game yet but i just wanted to for anyone listening or if you guys are ever interested I totally forgot this game had come out just now, but it was uh, Banisher's Ghosts of New Eden, which is this new game that just came out. It's a double-A game from... Uh, it, it basically is this game about this couple who are called Banishers, and they sail from Europe to the New World. So this is set in like the, the 1600s, uh, early 1700s to America and land in this place called New Eden, and their job is to find ghosts and banish them or ascend them uh, hmm. to heaven or banish them to hell. Um, and it's almost like a detective game in its own right because you're meeting people in these, um, in these uh, you know, towns as you're traveling around, and you're kind of hearing their stories and what's been done, or this person died, you need to avenge them for me, or you need to, like... You know, they're almost like the Ghostbusters, but set in like colonial times. Yeah, yeah. And the, the story of it just looks absolutely fascinating to me. It's from the same. It's from Dotnod, uh, which this game, from what I've heard, is a spiritual successor to Vampire, which I love that game. And that game is kind of unknown in a sense. Um, Vampire you, is another great story idea where it's a single IP game, but you're this doctor well-known doctor that gets turned into a vampire and your choices in the game of consequences where you either have to go against your doctor's code of I will not take a life to do I feed on people and gain experience and become powerful so I can beat the game with different ways. Um, so Don't Not, I feel like, comes out with new... They kind of just do single IP after single IP and don't really care about sequels and stuff like that, which I really appreciate. Yeah, And uh, that's probably going to be next on my list if I don't jump right into yakuza but i feel like i'll need a a palate cleanser from an rpg for a minute uh, so i'll probably do that yeah that but, makes yeah. sense yeah yeah i am not playing anything nearly as deep uh i played apex legend a little bit they had a new update uh they changed up some cool things there uh still play some fortnite and you know that's it i really haven't been playing too much games uh recently at all um i've been reading a lot more so i read the you know the first five percy jackson books again i'm now on the uh, second set of five um i plan to read the newest one that came out like november i think last year maybe october yeah. or something like that but 
um, where he goes to college. Um, so I've been reading a lot. I've been really getting into uh, like TV shows recently. Uh, Julie and I just watched the first episode of For All Mankind on Apple TV yesterday. Great show. Uh, that show is very good. The first episode, the show's about um, if the race to space was still going on and the Russians were actually the first to land on the moon. Uh, so that's what that one's about. Um, and the first episode focuses on the Apollo 11 mission. I will say it still happens. It just does not happen the same way, obviously, that it did in real life. And so pretty much, I mean, from the point that the Russians land on the moon first, now like all future from what I've heard is just kind of different than what it actually is. Uh, but there's four seasons of it. So I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, I did watch rebel moon on Netflix. I thought it was Ooh. fine. Um, yeah. it like has, it does take a lot from other like sci-fi genres, but I looked up the reviews after I watched it. I don't know. I think people had like a 20% rotten and then a, I don't know, like a 30 or a 40 user. I don't know. I'm not that harsh when it comes to sci-fi. Some of my favorite sci-fi movies were from the sci-fi channel and those royally suck. So I don't know. I, I thought it was fun. You know, the combat's cool. I like Zack Snyder a lot. I thought he did a pretty good job. And yeah, like the storyline, I don't know. Was it like the strongest thing? No, but it was a good watch. It had fun combat, fun action. The part two comes out in like a month or something. So yeah, I'm excited to kind of watch that. So I've been going in on that and really I've just been building up. We just got the Apple TV, I think like yesterday or the night before. Uh, so we're kind of like building up our, our watch list on there. Um, so yeah, not too, uh, not too much gaming, but a lot of TV show stuff, a lot of reading. Um, I finally got around to listening to uh, Ready Player Two. That book stunk. Uh, I got around to. Oh wow! Oh yeah, it's awful. Yeah. It's really. I didn't know bad. they made a second one. It had a lot of good potential. Didn't. Yeah. Didn't the first one end did. like pretty conclusively? Um. No. Sort of. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that one was pretty bad. And then I read Silo. That was really good. The first Silo book. That was really nice. nice. I'm excited to read the the next two technically it's not silent i think it's called wool and then the next one's called something else and then there's like a third one it's kind of confusing it's like the book was made and then there was like four short stories and then they ended up just combining the first book plus the four short stories and then they just made it as to one book and then they did three more short stories and then they made that into the second book and then there's just the final book which is a full book I don't know. I get kind of confused whenever I try to look these things up to actually buy them. But I think now, because it's been a few, oh it's been some time, you can buy like book one, two, and three. But I guess at like at a different time, they were all like broken up into weird chaos. But that is oh. a, also a very good series to read and watch uh, the first season of on Apple TV. If you do have that, Apple's been kind of showing up recently. I did just no one's new, new, so maybe I need to try out Apple. So that's why we did Apple. Yeah, we had the Hulu Plus Live, and we just got rid of the Live, and we just kept the Hulu Disney and stuff. And right. so we were just like, well, we kind of already budgeted for like the Live, like these last you know eight months. 
and we're just like, might as well just get, you know, we still have some money. Might as well just like get the Apple one. It's only like $10. And yeah, I think we're only going to get live now whenever football seasons is around. Um, but yeah, so that's been, that's been my, my thing. So I'm trying to think if there has been any other games. I mean, I play, I've been Pal thinking about World. getting a, uh, yeah, I played Pal World. It was fine. It was okay. Um, I thought the game was fine. I, I got through what I needed to for that one. I've been like That's really okay. interested in getting the Steam Deck OLED. I I have a lot of desire to be able to just like lay on the couch, lay in bed, but not just have to play like Switch like games or like ROMs on my Android phone. Like I really like the idea that I've played around with Xbox streaming on my Android phone and it seems to actually work pretty decent on my phone. Um, so I'd be really curious to see like how other streaming does. Um, I've done the steam streaming and it like went pretty decent. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of interested in getting that. You can download games like to it, like a big part of why I want the steam deck is so I can play, a lot of like the indie games that I like, but also be able to like play them with like mods. So like, I really like to play like modded Stardew Valley, uh, which you can only do on a PC, but you can also do it on a steam deck. Um, I like a lot of those like farming and like life Sims, but then if there was a game that was like a little bit more demanding, like let's say cyberpunk, you can actually, you know, just have it on your regular gaming PC and just stream it to the device. And people have said it like really does work out pretty decently to where obviously like your PC handles all the load and you just get to kind of stream it wherever you want. Um, but I mean, there has been some decent optimization for some games. Like I was doing some research. I saw some people play uh, Baldur's Gate three on the steam deck. Pretty, pretty playable all things considered, uh, which I thought was you know pretty impressive, and that was like straight up downloading it to the Steam Deck and like letting the Steam Deck run it itself. Um, so it looks like it's a pretty good console. It seems like the OLED, <laughs> unlike the Switch, it actually like increased performance and stuff. Like had like better battery life and um, has like more hertz on the display and things like that. So which I thought was kind of funny that they made changes where the steam deck or the switch did nothing. I think even um, the fan has been improved on the OLED steam deck and like it doesn't get as hot as like the original one. So that has been my quest right now. That was a, one of the reasons why I sold my PlayStation five was to get some money to go towards a steam deck. Uh, my PS five also has been collecting dust for a year and a half, two years. I played Spider-Man on it and that's been the only game I've played on it recently. So I was like, I was like, I think it's time to to get rid of this console. I don't want it to keep collecting dust and rather sell it now where it's kind of still worth some money versus like in two more years when it's like, yeah, you can get maybe 200 bucks for it. And like, that's it. Um, or you could wait 30 years. Yeah. An <laughs> it's an antique. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, that is all I have been playing. Um, any other news? We want to just like wrap it up here. Yeah, I think I'm good to go. That's really all I had. I I feel like in some ways this just kind of talking about what we've been doing is also kind of given some ideas of what we wanted to recommend to people. Yeah. Yeah. That that is true. Yeah. Yeah. I would say if you are listening to this, just kind of take those as your recommendations right now of what we've been, what we've been speaking to of what we've been playing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I definitely mm -hmm. have a um, book to recommend. Um, Go for it. I started. I know I already recommended it to both of you. Um, but it's called Red Rising. I was recently recommended it. Um, it's pretty, pretty cool for a sci-fi, and I'm not such a big reader. Um, I started listening to the audiobook, and I think one of the things that really captivated me about it is the person who voices the audiobook. It, I think it's like an Irish or Scottish accent or something like that. Um, nice. Which is kind of fitting because I think the main character is like, um, and uh, he he's a uh, part of a colony uh, where everyone's kind of like split up into um, caste system, I would say. And the lowest of the caste system is like the reds. And so I think they have like red hair and stuff like that and red features. They call them like rustic and rusty. Um, and they're kind of like the mining colony and they kind of uh, support the overall. Uh, they're supposedly supporting like life on Mars and terraforming and um, uh, trying to help sustain like colonization throughout the the solar system and um but that's what they're led to believe and they're kind of like their core traits and their um their culture are like obeying and um and kind of stuff like that just like obey everything that the the um higher-ups tell you to do that's like the one of the greatest values to them um just constantly do your work and and things like that and so uh, but Mars, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, it's just kind of uh, this dude is such a like gritty guy, and um, as he goes through, he has his wife, um, and uh, and then he eventually like kind of has a, a critical moment where they take um, basically take his wife's uh, life, and he kind of goes on this revenge plot. Um, because of that, she meant so much to him and they, they kind of disobeyed. They, they broke like one rule, kind of like in Harry Potter where they go into the forbidden forest and, um, and you're not supposed to, but of course in Harry Potter, they're not going to take your life over that. But, um, <laughs> an interesting um, comparison. Yeah. yeah. But like they, they entered like a, a place that was like a forbidden forest, basically that, um, that was only meant for the higher ups. And so they were caught. They get publicly, basically publicly shamed by the society. But um, that's all the guy thought it was going to turn into. Um, but uh, his wife actually wanted more for their entire colony. And so she actually has more of a sense of freedom. And so she's like encouraging him to uh, break the chains. That becomes like a big theme right in the beginning of this. Um, I think it's like a six book series and, I, and this is just like um a third of the first book basically to set things off so he he his wife basically becomes a martyr and he's like extremely um furious at this um society for um there's like a whole emperor who basically like encouraged his wife to die like in front of everyone on camera and so he was just he was just distraught and so um needless to say i was distraught he he essentially um was picked up by a, another group that you know, like a, a, an underground group that was plotting beforehand um and they and they basically use his like anger 
and um, and motivation to um, they're gonna he's gonna be a critical part in like infiltrating the higher ups. Um, that's that's yeah exactly. So that's that's kind of how that's going. Um, the character development in it is very is very good, and, and the voice acting is very good for the audiobook. Nice. So I think it's the only weird. reason why I got through Ready Player Two. Will Wheaton mm. was the uh, the Ooh. reader for it on the Spotify one that I listened to, and oh, I no. I used him to like. He was also the one for Ready Player One, and I listened to it, and I was like, oh, man, he did it. He did it really well. It, it, it was good. It was definitely the reason why I got through the second one because the second one was trash. Um. It makes a big. I wonder if I would like this book if I wasn't listening to it. <laughs> like, yeah, audiobooks—they really, make a I big, don't know. a big difference. It's oh, nice, like, no. especially when you're at work and you're just kind of like chilling and listening to it. While you're working along. Well, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate it, everyone who is listening. We know it's been a long time, which I think we say pretty much every podcast at this point. Um, <laughs> but we uh, we have some cool things coming in the horizon for calling all nerds. I won't give too much information about it now because it could take 12 months, who knows, to actually get it going. But we have some cool things coming in the future. Uh, we are going to definitely try to start doing this a little bit more and also doing some things on the uh, the back end of just, like, chatting. And who knows? Like, we, you know, there's some gaming news to talk about, but there's also just some things that we're doing. And so maybe, you know, some podcasts will just kind of focus on that. Maybe we'll... Just have a podcast here and there where it's like, hey, we're all playing the same game. Let's just talk about that the other time, you know? Who cares about the news that's going on? But either way, whatever we talk about, we do appreciate all the listeners out there. Be sure to uh, give us the thumbs up and follow us on all our podcast things. We don't have social media because I think we all equally dislike social media. But you can find us on Spotify and Apple and like Google Podcasts, which actually I think Google Podcasts doesn't exist anymore. And it's like part of something else doesn't matter it, it there's podcasts out there and you can find us so be sure to tune in review okay. us follow us give us the thumbs up all the things uh but with that we shall see you all next time Bye-bye. bye bye